Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Is my spiritual advisor, and as Springsteen says, they're, they're more desperate than courageous. <laughs> they really are. And, and I think that that desperation stems from that 13 seconds. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, uh, an eventful week in the National Football League, as it always is this time of year. We'll, of course, get into the shocking news of Deshaun Watson being out for the season. We'll get into all the quarterback stuff with the New York football teams. Of course, what's going on in New England, as well as breaking down the marquee matchups in Week 11. But we have to start with what's going on in Western New York. The Buffalo Bills, a once thought of Super Bowl contender, feels like Michael's season on the brink here with them firing Ken Dorsey after Monday night's loss to Denver Broncos 24-22. So Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, is out. Joe Brady will be the interim OC. But feels like the walls are caving in on the Buffalo Bills this season, sitting at 5-5. Five and five. You know, it, it seems like a, an act of desperation. It does in the sense that we're going to change the offense, which is really going to change the problems. I, I think really when you look at the situation, Femi, and uh, you've got to take a step back and you've got to look at, okay, how did we get here? Why are we here and where are we going? And I think for me, the Bills have a structural problem. And it's a structural problem that's common for teams that are close. I I can speak from experience because when I was in Cleveland in the late 80s and I got there right after the 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 uh, the meltdown the the, the drive where mm-hmm. they went 98 yards and then I was there for the fumble mm. and we couldn't beat Denver. And we became an organization that became so preoccupied with beating Denver that we lost sight of the ultimate goal. And I think when I watch Buffalo, I see a team obsessed with beating Kansas City and not a team understanding that they're building what they're building there structurally doesn't work in Western New York and outdoors. It just doesn't. Uh, They're building a small defensive team that relies on the offense to get the lead, the defense to create turnovers, and the defense to be able to use its speed, its quickness, to make plays. In theory and on paper, that looks really good. The problem is, if you peel back the layer, you realize that Peyton Manning, as great as he was, with the same philosophy, better team, much better team. The talent level on the Colts was much better than the talent level on the Bills, if you compare apples to apples. And... They went 9-10 and 10 in playoff games. They lost seven on the road. This doesn't work. The, the Bills, under the direction of Sean McDermott, because this team is built with a defensive slant to it. With Sean and, 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 and Brendan Bean, they've built this team on a defensive notion that they're going to be able to win games with their defense. And even when you listen to Sean talk after the game, it's like – Everything that goes wrong with the team has relates to the defense. And I think that's really the core issue here. When you peel it back, that becomes the problem. And they have no physicality. Now, they have no identity on offense either, but they have no physicality anywhere across the board. And you mentioned the ident- no identity on offense because when you look at some of the underlying metrics, the advanced metrics, it shows that the Buffalo Bills are a top five offense. But when you look at the scoreboard, you don't see them putting up those points. And 
do in fact because of turnovers. Like the turnovers have been a big deal here for Buffalo. But why do you think we're seeing these turnovers? Because Josh Allen had two interceptions. He lost two fumbles in the game. They had four turnovers. They lost the turnover margin by three to a Broncos team that was kind of playing a conservative game plan, just trying to manage the situation and eke out a victory here. But we've seen this be an issue week after week after week. What is the reason behind the turnovers? Is it Josh Allen or is it something fundamentally wrong with the offense like you've kind of alluded to? Well, it, this, these turnovers aren't a fender better. This has been a pattern since 2018. Josh Allen leads the league in interceptions since 18. He leads the league in fumbles since 18. So this hasn't been just the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, what he's so good at doing is masking the problems, right? They've yet, and, and this is why you're asking the quiet, they turn the ball, because they don't have a foundation of offense. They really don't have. They run plays to get the lead. They steal plays. They run certain things, concepts, because they're in a rush to play from in front. I mean, Josh Allen, of his 60 wins, he has 45 of them have been by more than seven points. Like, this has worked. You can't dispute it. McDermott's got a 62% winning percentage as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. You can't argue what they're doing doesn't work. What doesn't work is when it gets tougher, when the weather turns, when the playoffs come around, when you can't bully other teams around, and when you have to rely on your offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, I think one of the big things here is their failures, to me, come down to the reality, which they don't uh, – interacting with about three things, right? So they don't really have the right perspective or vantage point on what it takes to be a champion. They're so occupied with beating Kansas City which we were too in Cleveland. And I said this to myself, and, and I wrote it, and I said it to other people. we got to stop thinking about beating, Cleveland, uh, beating Denver. Mm-hmm. We should start trying to beat Washington. We should build a team to beat Washington. We should build a team to beat uh, Dallas. We should build mm-hmm. a team to beat the Giants or Philadelphia. Because whenever they go play Denver, well, no, no, I was just talking about the NFC East. Whenever they mm-hmm. go play Denver, they kick their ass. Like, they literally just peed them up, right? But the vantage point is we got to beat Kansas City. So we're going to have a nickel defense to, to handle Mahomes and run around. Yeah, we got to beat Mahomes, but we got to be able to play in Western New York. I think there's a little bit of a denial. You know, Brendan Bean talks about, you know, he was quoted as saying that, you know, you know the, I think I have it here. He said, it always starts with both lines. You have to secure your quarterback and O-line, then, the, then go get the opposing quarterback before you secure the skill position and playmakers. Okay, so they've had 52 total draft picks over the years. They've used 11 on defensive backs. They've used six on defensive linemen, seven on linebackers, nine on offensive linemen, seven on wide receivers, four on running backs, three on quarterbacks. But when you peel, when you break down the first three rounds, you know they've used four picks in the offensive line in the first three rounds. They used four picks on the defensive line in the first three rounds. But they've they used two number ones, and they never have drafted a number one offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So and they've drafted two defensive backs, corners in the first round. So like, yeah, they're putting resources, but they're patching it. They signed Stafford. They signed this guy. They got Mitch Morse. They're, they're trying to patch together a line when they don't really have any blue-chip players within their offensive or defensive line. You can't, you can't argue that. You could look at anybody's metrics, mine. Don't take my word for it. Go look at all these other teams. I mean, they paid Ed Oliver like he was the best defensive tackle in football. They paid him he's the 15th best defensive tackle in football. Right, mm-hmm. and, and he's not even, and he's and he plays between fifty and fifty-eight percent of the plays. Okay, he he he's got five sacks this year. He's got nineteen and a half total sacks. Like he's a good player. He's not the he's not the fifteenth best tackle. Deion Dawkins is their left tackle. Is he a top ten tackle? No. Spencer Brown, please. Okay, you know they drafted uh, Rosaro. I think that's how you say his uh, name. The, Gregory the Rousseau. From Miami. Yep, Rosario. Yeah. Rousseau, I mean, is he a top 10 player? No. I think this is what happens to him. They don't have enough blue or red chip players, you know. And and then when you get into the East, you know, they're they're really good against the Patriots. But against the the Jets and Miami, they're 9-12-1 against the spread. And just against the Jets alone, they're 4-6. and yeah. six. Why? Why are they 4-6 and six against the spread versus the Jets? Because the Jets front beats them up. 
So I think that's the issue with Buffalo. To me, it's a structural issue. It's not a Ken Dorsey issue. It, it's more of, hey, Sean, we got to figure out what we're doing with this team. we got to rebuild these lines. We can't just keep putting pa- – we put money in Von Miller. You can't find him, mm-hmm. right? They, there's, Von Miller's not making a difference on their team. They have no physicality in their offensive line. They, they can't – you know, if Allen's not the guy running – I mean, I think Cook was a good player. They don't trust him. Yeah. And then here's the other problem too, Femi. We haven't touched it. They're old. This is an old team. They're 25th in the league in years. You know, they lose Hyde. They lose, they lose Pryor, Poyer. Poyer. They, you know, they, Milano's not an old player, but they lost him. When they had Daquan Jones, they were really good up front. He showed you what a three technique's supposed to look like. They don't have him. Yeah, the, the, the injuries in the secondary. Tredavious White, another one, but he's been hurt the last few years, it feels like, for him there. And you mentioned Dorsey not being the problem. Josh Allen was asked about Ken Dorsey earlier this week. Here's what he had to say with the dismissal of his offensive coordinator. I love Dorsey. Uh, as a human being, he just he's one of the good ones. He's been in this room with me for a very long time. I feel like I owe him a lot of the success that I've had in my career, and he's been a huge part of that. So it's sad to see him go. Um, and the fact is, you know, we, we play better as a team. We probably don't have to make a move like that. Which is an interesting comment because if he said if we play better as a team, because Sean McDermott was asked about it, of course, on Tuesday about the dismissal of Dorsey. He said, just felt like it was time for a change. You know, we need to be a confident offensive football team and find consistent production. And that's really what it came down to. But some might make the argument that if they don't have 12 players on the field on the field goal, yeah, they win the game and then we're not doing it. So it's no, like, what's the It's we- remarkable. <laughs> it's remarkable. Nobody's bitching about it. I mean, they, they called their first. They called their, they called their second timeout on second down when, when Russell spotted the ball, and then on third down Russell spotted or sec, or second down they called their whatever. But they used a timeout. Okay, they used a timeout before Russell spotted his ball the last time. So when you use that timeout, why didn't you just, if you're a head coach, why didn't you just say okay? Put our field goal block team on the field right now. They're going to center the ball. They're not running a play. Yeah. Right? They're not running a play. They're going to center the football. You put your – and then this way you don't you don't have to substitute because they're substitute. Let them screw it up. We're not going to screw it up. But, of course, he doesn't get blamed for that. You know, and I think to me, you know, when you look at this, hey, the other thing he doesn't get blamed for, the last three playoff games, this Bills defense mm-hmm. has given up an average of 33 points a game. Don't tell me that this is a team that can go on the road and win because they can't at 30. Now, Josh Allen's great. They can overcome a lot, but they can't overcome the structural damage that they've done to the team. And I think this kind of to put a bow on it, and we'll talk about the elephant in the room as well on the other side as we get into the Cleveland Browns. But to put a bow on this like that, trying to beat Kansas City, it feels like 13 seconds is still in their head. I don't know if they haven't gotten over it from the last couple years here, that playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium to where it felt like they were going to win the game. We need but to pick that up. But we yeah, need to pick that up. We, we will pick that up. We'll also talk about the Cleveland Brown situation at quarterback. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 
168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know, Michael, it feels like this McDermott Bean era of the Buffalo Bills is kind of be kind of defined by 13 seconds and what we saw a couple yeah. years ago in the playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs there. They went ahead and fired Leslie Frazier after last season, but it felt like, I mean, that was kind of coming toward a well, head they here. they didn't fire him. Well, I mean, they didn't fire him. They, they, they went to Leslie. McDermott went to Leslie and said, I want to do, take over the play calling. And Leslie's like, no, we're not doing that. And then he said, okay, if you want to do it, then you're going to have to let me go. We'll talk, we'll say it's health reasons, but I'm going to go. And Leslie's been visiting a bunch of camps all the summer. You know, he went, he's going to get back in next year. Yeah. So, yeah. And now he fires Dorsey. Yeah, I think the 13 seconds is haunting him. Because the 13 seconds is just, is, and it hasn't learned from it, right? I mean, he rushed four guys with 13 seconds left to go. He'd kick the ball out of the end zone. With 13 seconds, with Pringle as the return guy. Okay, so kick it out of the end zone even if Pringle's there. But why rush th- Why rush four? Why not just rush two? Well, you want the quarterback to hold the ball. Mm-hmm. They had no timeouts. You want them to try to throw, throw it. Every second you take off the clock does you a favor. They complete two passes and you're, you're in field goal range. This one, to me, was, is, was egregious because they didn't play good and they had a chance to beat Denver on a last-second field goal. I mean – the other thing he doesn't get blamed for, he runs a zero blitz against yep. uh, Russell Wilson and knocks him out of field goal range. And then, for whatever reason, he blitzes again zero blitz. And I know they paid Teron Johnson a lot. of. I mean, they paid him, but he can't cover anybody. And he certainly can't cover Jerry Judy in a zero blitz situation. And he gets the personal – he gets the P.I. on him. I mean, that's the other issue. It's like they paid Ed Oliver. They paid Teron I mean, they paid Von Miller. You know, they're paying guys. They're, 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 they're as my as my as my spiritual advisor and as Springsteen says, they're they're more desperate than courageous. <laughs> they really are, and, and I think that that desperation stems from that 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. It really does. And you fired these coordinators. You know, it, it, look, I I don't I hated the Bills' offense. But the Bills' offense, even when they were going good, was just running. Pl- they were they were stealing plays. They never said, "Okay, if we go play Buffalo. We you you better make sure you do this." What you say when you go play Buffalo is, "We better make goddamn sure we take Josh out of the game." I mean, think about it. McDermott takes over a seven and nine team from Anthony Lynn and Rex Ryan. Okay, that team lost four of their last five games in one game in overtime. Okay, so he comes in, he goes nine and seven his first year. They get a wild card game. And they lose to Jacksonville 10-3. They draft Allen. Allen is a rookie that goes 6-10. and 10. Come back. You know, in year three, another wild card game, loses to Houston in overtime. Remember that game down yep. there in Houston? They're dominating the game. Mm-hmm. Allen, you know, was kind of getting accurate again. Then the 13 seconds, disaster. And those th- last three games, he's allowed 33.3 points. I mean, if you're the de- – you know, we give <clears throat> Staley a bunch of shit. But this defense, when it has to play – in the middle of the ring, and it can't play a style. I mean, remember what Buffalo, what Cincinnati went up there with their offensive line last year? Do you remember this? Yep, it's like three backups on the old line for Cincinnati. Of course game. it was, and they kicked their ass. So to me, you could talk about it. It all comes down to I think it's a structural problem in Buffalo, and I think as they're getting older, they're going to have to restructure. Last thing on this is if the Bills don't make the playoffs, which right now they're a dog to do that. They're minus 250 to miss the playoffs over at DraftKings. If they miss the playoffs, is this the end for Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean in charge in Buffalo? I, I can't imagine that. I, I don't – I mean, I think to me, you know, I, what, I think somebody would have to be able to explain what I just explained to them in a fashion that's a football. Do you think Pagula knows that? If he's just looking at the scoreboard, they could be in trouble. If he goes in there and says, look, fellas, I think we got to fix this the right way, you know, then maybe. But, you know, they've, it's going to be a hard thing. I mean, it's going to be hard. It depends on the building, too. When you throw guys off the bus like Leslie and, 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 Dorsey. and Dorsey, and would you listen at what Allen said, you know, do you think how much of the building really enjoys working for Sean? 
You know? I tweeted it on Monday or Tuesday morning. I said it feels like the walls are kind of caving in on, on Sean McDermott there to where maybe he's starting to feel the pressure and the internal pressure to try to turn this thing around. But it feels like season on the brink to me, and we'll get into their game a little bit later on in the pod. But, man, for both of those teams, whew, uh, it could be a loser-leaves-town matchup in Western New York come this Sunday. Let's talk about a team that we thought was turning the corner. We thought this team was about to come in and be like this AFC contending kind of team, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Big victory Sunday over the Baltimore Ravens, but unfortunately they get the news yesterday that their starting quarterback Deshaun Watson is out for the rest of the season. He will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. So it will be Dorian Thompson-Robinson the rest of the way here for the Cleveland Browns, or at least on Sunday for the Cleveland Browns. But to bring this back to Watson, though, obviously the guaranteed money is astronomical and through 11 games they paid him about 90 million dollars and they haven't really quite got the results that they have wanted here but uh what do you make of this situation out there in cleveland well i mean they paid up i mean they knew they weren't going to get last year he was going to get suspended i mean look i I admire the kid for i didn't i was worried about his ankle we were monitoring his ankle all week you know and 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 he played the second half in that game going 14 for 14 with obviously a broken shoulder I mean, so that gives him some sense of toughness. And he did it behind backup offensive linemen. I mean, you know, he had he didn't even have DeWan Jones at, at right tackle. Mm-hmm. He had to put they put Hudson over there. And so, you know, he's got a kid that they picked up off the street, Garen Christian's playing. I mean, give Billy Callahan a lot of credit for keeping them upright. But look, I, I they had no choice but to go back to to Dorian or Thompson Robinson. I mean, they had no choice, right? Mm-hmm. Because they traded away Dobbs. And at that moment when they traded away Dobbs, they had to have a meeting and say to themselves, we feel really good about DTR. We feel really good, you know? And so we're going to go with them. And yes, I understand that he, that, you know, he's we had a great preseason, but we all know what preseason looks like, right? We all know how that goes, but you know, at some point you just make the decision. You're going to have, they have to do something substantial. That's long-term. Now here's the fact that here's the, what remains They've got the easiest schedule of any of the North teams. The Bengals have the hardest schedule, right? The Bengals have the hardest. The Ravens have the second hardest. The Steelers have the ninth. And the Browns have the 24th. So they have an easy schedule. So that that helps them. And their defense will stop teams from running the football. That's pretty clear. they got to play great run defense, which they will. And you, they can't turn the ball on over offense. I mean, they just can't. I mean, he had, you know, the last time he played, he threw three interceptions. He only had six first downs. You know, they got to yeah. be careful with the football. They run the ball well. They ran the ball on Baltimore better than anybody with backup linemen. Look, it's not going to be pretty, but they still can do it with that schedule and their defense. Yeah, and to be fair to to the Cleveland Browns, like, we didn't like them because of the quarterback play that they've been getting this season. We liked them because of the defense that you mentioned. So if DTR can just kind of sort of keep this thing afloat, and last time when he started against Baltimore, it was a little bit of a tough spot, and Kevin Stefanski alluded to that earlier this week, saying that, hey, like he didn't really know he was going to be starting until the end of the week. Now it's his reps all throughout the week. They can kind of get him better prepared for this start against the Pittsburgh Steelers here. But with those backup tackles, it's going to be tough sledding against that Pittsburgh Steelers front for sure here. Do you still have yeah. faith well, that they, they can remember, make the Remember, they didn't have Cam Hayward in the first game. I mean, look, yeah. I think one of the big issues here is, you know, is the last time they played them, they, the most points the Steelers have scored all year were the 26 points they scored against Cleveland in Week 2. 14 of them came off turnovers. Yeah, defense, yep. You know, I mean, the Browns had the ball for 10 minutes and 44 seconds in the fourth quarter in that game. The Steelers had 14 possessions, eight went without a first down, two were with turnovers, two field goals, one touchdown, and two end of, and two end of the half. I mean, they did nothing really, and they scored 26 points because the Browns gave them. It's like what Paul Brown says about football. You know, football's a game of errors. Whoever makes the least amount of errors is going to mm-hmm. win. He's right. He's right. Yeah, isn't that just a Steeler game, though? Every, every week, they had all these stats that go I against mean, them, and they win the football game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I mean, no team in the NFL has gained more points from turnovers forced than the Steelers. You know, it's just really remarkable. I don't know if you want to call it luck or, you know, they play on a short field. They're, they're able to do it. And, you know, the, the one thing that's different than the Steelers than, say, the Jets or, say, the New England Patriots is the Steelers players like the quarterback. They really do. Mm-hmm. They like Pickett. Even though he's not playing very good, they like him. Whereas you, there, I don't get that sense in New York or in New England. Well, we'll, get, we'll I, I shouldn't say the word like. I think the word there is really they, in, he, they trust Pickett. Gotcha. He's one of them. 
he's like Pickett has endeared himself to his teammates. Yeah, that's, that's right. A, okay, that's a good way to put it there. Um, on the Cleveland side of it, do you still see this Browns team as a playoff team? Like you mentioned the schedule is a little bit easier than some of the teams that they're competing for in that AFC wildcard spot. Do you, see, do you still think that they make the playoffs here? You know, look, I, I know the Steelers have been great. I love Tomlin. You know that. But they've, they, now they've lost Quan Alexander and Holcomb. They're two inside guys. And if you know anything about Steeler defensive acumen, they need to have that. They've been trying to replace Ryan Shazier for years. They haven't been able to do it. I mean, I don't know if they can. Can they run the ball? I mean, that's been the key. The last two weeks, the Steelers have run the football effectively. That's what they've been able to do the last two weeks. That's why they've won the last two weeks, because they've been able to get their ground game going. But can they do that? They have not thrown for over 228 yards the whole time. When they throw for over 200 yards, just simply 200 yards, you know what their record is? What's their record? 4-0. Just 200 yards. Just 200 yards. If they throw for 200 yards, they're undefeated. I mean, that's how, that's how it is. But, you know, they, the first time they played them, they couldn't run the ball. Steelers, they gained 55 yards on the ground. They averaged 2.6. In the last two weeks, the last two weeks they've, they've had the most first downs. They've had, they've had over 20 first downs for the first time all year. And they've run the ball for a combined 375 yards the last two weeks. Speaking of running the football, that's something that Cleveland has done very well. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson kind of rely on that run game this season. They're second in the league with 147.9 yards per game. And since Stefanski has been there since 2020, they've been in like the top five, top six in terms of yards per game. But that was also with Nick Chubb. But even there's been a lot of uh, no Nick Chubb this season here. Ford's and they've been good. able to run the football. Ford's yeah, Ford good. is a good player. He's a good player. He's a, he's, yeah, he is. He's got a lot of juice there in the backfield there. So uh, if they can run the football, maybe they can keep this thing afloat here. Last thing on Watson, though, the cap hit over the next three seasons, $63.9 million each season. Can they do anything to adjust that, or is that they just got to no. kind of swallow no, the pill? No, that's there? it. Yeah. It's Grin and Barrett. It's Grin and Barrett, Femi. You're paying it. Man. You're paying it. That is – that's a lot to be Remember, paying. That goes back. that goes back to asking the question, you know, when we get into situations, what happens if – Yeah. and they didn't do that. And worst case scenario here is that he's now injured. Uh, sounds like he'll make a full recovery for next season. But in two years, it's been 12 starts, eight and four in those starts. But his yards per play is at a career low at 6.5. Completion percentage also at a career low at 59.8 since he's been the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. We'll get into some more tenuous quarterback situations on the other side. It's the GM show. All right, let's go up to New York here where the quarterback situation has been not ideal. And we'll start with the New York Giants because earlier this week, our buddy Jordan Schultz over at Bleacher Report, NFL Insider, reported that Daniel Jones will be back next season for the Giants. And barring something drastic, it's my understanding that GM Joe Shane and head coach Brian Dayball will as well. So it uh, sounds like Daniel Jones will be back. I mean, he'll be back, but will he be back as QB1? I think that's two different things. And maybe him being back means he will be the starting quarterback. But we've talked about how, like, hey, maybe this is kind of a time to, to, to turn, the, turn the page here on another chapter of quarterback play for the Giants. But maybe they see it differently. Well, they're not going to turn the page. I mean, look, even if they draft a quarterback, they got $36 million tied up next year guaranteed in Daniel Jones. So they'll bring Jones back if they draft a quarterback, which I would strongly recommend they do. But, you know, I don't know if they will. But say they draft a quarterback, you know, they'll play Jones. They have Jones. They could trade Jones if they wanted. It's a contract that maybe somebody would take. If not, they carry him at $36 million. They pay them, you know, then the next year they get rid of them and they start the young kid. This would be their Alex Smith, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. What Alex Smith did, and they drafted Mahomes. Now, they're not a good team around them. I mean, I know that I'm a giant hater. I'm fully aware of that, <laughs> which I'm clearly not. But I know, so if you listen to the Giants, I mean, you know, let's just put things in perspective here. So the this is all just numbers. Forget Michael Lombardi's. Uh, they're 27th at EPA. With Tyrod Taylor was 27th EPA. Daniel Jones was 40th. DeVito was 42nd. Could you imagine DeVito and Daniel Jones were close in EPA? That's, Could you imagine that? That's rough. 
Is that unbelievable? Okay, That's so that, that it gets better. I mean, it gets better. I mean, according to, and I, I saw Aaron on, on DVOA, the Aaron Schwartz, the guy that runs oh, Aaron the DVOA Schatz, stuff. Yep. Shots, okay. He said the Giants are the 13th worst team through 10 games since 1981 and the worst team in the league since the 2019 Dolphins. Now, is that a talent problem or is that an injury problem? But let me add a little bit more to it, okay? Let's go through it. Again, the, the, because these are, I make all these stats up to hate the Giants. I make them all up, right? Okay, in the first quarter this year, Femi, the Giants averaged 0.09, 0.9 points per, per quarter. That's what they score in the first quarter. They give up 6.1. So by the first quarter, they're down six points or five and change. In the second quarter, they mount a tremendous offensive tack, much like Napoleon when he was taking over France. They average 3.3 points per quarter. They give up 9.2, okay? Mm-hmm. The third quarter is when they're really ready to go. They're ready to go in that third quarter. Second they half score 3.7 points, 3.7 points in that third quarter. Now they give up only 6.3 there. And in the fourth quarter is when they flourish the most. They, give, they score 3.9 points in the fourth quarter on average. And they give up 4.7. Sounds like now a, think about that. It doesn't sound like a you good think formula. About, now think about that. Think about those numbers. Now, is that, now if you're going to be really fair about it, mm-hmm. are, is it a talent issue or is it a scheme issue? Because is it, or is it just because you have a bunch of guys injured? Certainly you lose two quarterbacks. You're, you're not going to move the football very much. But you got Saquon Barkley back there. You've got this offensive line. I know they've been hurt. But these numbers are historically bad. I mean, the last time they played the Giants, the last time they played the Washington team, there were 31 first downs in the game. There was only six conversions. Five of them were by the Giants. Only one by the Washington team. So, I mean, how do you not need a quarterback when I read this off to you? When I tell you that Jones and DeVito are close in a lot of numbers, other than completion percentage, you got to worry about that. 40th EPA to 42nd. I, mm. When I looked up the numbers, I was shocked. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely brutal for the New York Giants. And like you mentioned, injuries have played a part. O-line was banged up and all that stuff here. But, man, you really wanted to see something more than that. And like, Do you think that this is because the roster outside of the injuries hasn't been that much different from what we saw last year? Like, Why did it work last year versus this it, year? Like, Because what's going the schedule, on? the schedule, which is what we gotcha. talked about all offseason. Yep. You know, I mean, they, they started fast. They, they managed games well, new schemes. They got ahead of people. They played. But the second half of the season, I kept saying it, the second half of the season, they couldn't beat a good team. Yep. I mean, Detroit walked in there and beat them. And Detroit didn't make the playoffs. I mean, this is a clear case of not evalu- being honest in your evaluation. You know, and it's a little bit too. We we wrote about this for the Daily Coach today. I don't know if you read it, 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 it and I don't know how I'm saying it. It's called the Ostellong effect, and what that effect is is scientists did an experiment, and basically, the more experience you have in the field, the less likely you are to you you use that experience at a fault. You block out creativity and innovation. So even though you have this tremendous amount of experience, like a lot of people in the Giants organization do, there's no innovation or creativity because they're stuck in a rut. They have all the same people doing all the same thing. And so this effect relates to that. And so you don't make good decisions. So even though you have great expertise, you know, you make and you think, let me rely on my experience you're like, wait a minute, what you're doing is you're making decisions based on your experience, but you're not allowing yourself to think about some of the different ways you might be able to approach these problems. Mm. I mean, it really, it writes as if I was, if I were a consultant and got hired by the Giants to say what, what could help our organization, this would be the effect I would be citing. Yeah, and, and, and in this article, which we encourage everybody to read on The Daily Coach, you talk about change your pattern of thinking, Triple check what you assume to be true. Think outside the box. Because I, I think it is easy for everybody to say, hey, hey I, I've been doing football for all my life. Like, I know what wins. I know what loses. Like, like let me. But you kind of block out 
any sort of idea that might actually enhance your ex- expertise there because that's that's how you find the edges and that's how you can go ahead and win within those margins which the Giants were able to do last year but this year not so much it's kind of uh, gotten off the rails to say the least out there in the NFC East how about the other New York team the New York Jets gang green because uh, every week it feels like there's a weekly Zach Wilson update Robert Sala the head coach is asked about Zach Wilson but uh, our friends over at DraftKings actually tweeted out and comp- compiled all the quotes from Robert Sala after some of these losses after week three against the new england patriots this is Salah on zach wilson quote he's our unquestioned quarterback after week four against kansas city i thought he was really good so i thought he played pretty well against kansas city after week nine against the chargers there's only so many things a quarterback has control over and then last week after the las vegas raiders lost quote he's actually playing pretty well uh <laughs> if, if he's actually playing pretty well why did we plead the fifth last week on the radio show I mean, I think he thinks people don't remember what he says, obviously. <laughs> and, and, and he's losing credibility. Every time he makes this statement, he's losing credibility in his locker room. Yeah. Like, I don't think he should say, you know, Zach Wilson sucks, but I think he no. should say, look, we all got to get better. We're all, well, look, we haven't scored a touchdown. And, and, and I mean, since, as, as the great Uncle Junior says, since Moses wore, wore shorts, you know, I mean, like, we can't, we haven't scored, you know, so there's a lot going on here. How, I love this line he had. Well, you know, it's taken, you know, Zach Wilson's trying to run Aaron Rodgers' offense with Hackett, and they try to push the blame onto Hackett in his office. Oh. Are you kidding me? I was at, I worked with Hackett's father at the 49ers. He knows the West Coast offense. That's what Nathaniel knows. Like, tell me a quarter offense that's more quarterback friendly than the West Coast. Like, every excuse he comes up with, he shows to me, he shows Woody Johnson. Is this who I want to lead the team? Right? Mm. I, I mean, I get that he's a cheerleader. I get that. Right. But like to me, I'm not defending Zach Wilson here, but when you got to stand up in front of your team, like it would be like for me, if Belichick walks into the room on Monday when they come back from the bye week and he sits there and says, hey, we're going to play. We're going to go and play Mac Jones again after he benched him, after the entire team witnessed one of the worst turnovers in the history of turnovers, a wide receiver so wide open that Dominic, my grandson or Leo, my grandson, who's a year younger, could have hit him, could have made the throw. Okay. And yet he turned the ball over and doesn't, you know, and oh, I got to keep getting better. He keeps saying I got to get better, but never does, you know, and you could say, well, the Patriots suck, all that. Okay, great. Blame it on the team. But if you don't get good quarterback play, it's hard. You, you lose credibility with your team. Mm-hmm. You lose credibility in the locker room. You can't afford to do that. So every time Salah makes these comments, the players in the locker room are looking like, look at, look at what our coach said today. Yeah. Look what he said today. Yeah. It ends up like the players start having their little conversation of like, oh, like this guy's BSing and trying to protect Zach. Meanwhile, we're getting our asses chewed in the meetings about why we're not, you know, stopping the run or whatever. And it, it starts to kind of like create this imbalance in terms of accountability to where it looks like Zach is not being held accountable versus maybe the defense gets accountable. And that's how you get a little bit of a friction in the locker room. The, the Jets did have a players only meeting earlier this week. So uh, anytime you see the players only meeting, you know, something not, good is not happening in, in the organization. No, that, that's, nothing good comes out of that. You don't, you know, nothing good comes out of that. That's the first like, red flag is the players only. Like, meeting. What are we doing? I mean, look, you know, I mean, they gave up. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you played a Raider team that couldn't move the, that can't really play a rookie quarterback. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and was... so you know, and the Raiders, you know, and the Raiders. I mean, you know what's funny? I, I hear this every time I listen to something. They say this Jet defense is dominating. It's the greatest defense yeah. of all. I think what would Ray Lewis say? You know, what you give up two hundred three yards rushing to the Giants and Tommy DeVito. You give up 148 yards to the Raiders, who hadn't had a 100-yard rushing game the whole year. I mean, come on, elite. <laughs> I think. I, I. I think. I, I mean, look. I think they're a good defense. I'm not disputing that. Yeah. But I think the morale of the team. They're 18th on third-down defense. And Salah's saying, "How about this?" He says his Wilson's playing really good. Did somebody mention to Robert that he's 32nd on third-down conversions? And he's 32nd in the red zone. I mean, did somebody might have mentioned that to him? You know, I mean, I mean, think about that. He's 32nd in both those categories. I mean, they haven't scored a touchdown since the first half of the Giants game. That was like, that was like two I, weeks ago. I mean, ago. He, he, even <laughs> Mac Jones is 26th on third down and and 14th in the red zone. Now he's not any good either. I'm not defending mm-hmm. him. 
I mean, everybody was complaining about Matt Patricia last year. Mac Jones' interception percentage was 2.5. His rookie year, his, his interception percentage was 2.5 his second year. It's up to 3.1 now. It's up to 3.1. At some point, he's at a complete crossroads of his career because, it, you know, he hasn't been able to come anywhere near. He's one yard less yards per attempt than he was his rookie year. We'll have a broader Mac Jones discussion next week once the Patriots come back from the bye week. Mac Jones was benched in Germany at the end of that game. He said he hasn't been told or they haven't talked about whether he's going to be the starter out of the bye. We'll get into all of that when the Patriots come back. And guess who they're playing? They're playing the New York Giants out of the bye week. I'm sure that's going to be one hell of a game out there in the Meadowlands. But let's get to the marquee matchups to wrap up the pod next. All right, we typically don't hit Thursday night football here just because a lot of the audience downloads and listens to the pod on Friday, but the game is too good for us to pass this up. Bengals at the Ravens tonight. The Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites over at DraftKings, total 46. Cincinnati coming up, both teams coming off of the loss, but for the Bengals, they don't want to fall to 500. They're sitting at 5-4 and four in last place at the AFC North. How do you see this game playing out later on tonight? You know, on paper, you just think, oh, my God, Baltimore should take this over. Baltimore's got injuries. They won't have Ronnie Stanley tonight. Cincinnati won't have Sam Hubbard tonight. They've got a bunch of injuries. They won't have T. Higgins tonight. Look, I think one of the things that has gotten caught a little bit outside of what Joe Burrow's been able to do as he's returned is this Bengal defense is not very good. They're really not. They have not been able to slow anyone down. You know, and they haven't been able to improve from the start of the year, you know, and they, you know, they started like they were like 30th. Now they're 20th in yards per drive. But, you know, they're able to turn the ball over. So it kind of masks some of the things that they're doing. And they're good in the red zone because Amaromo's a good coach, right? But just on down after down, you just say, how are they going to keep this game close? I mean, CJ Stroud was just, guys were wide ass open. They were wide-ass open, and, you know, the Bengals are 26th overall in third-down defense, and this Raven team can convert third downs. So, you know, to me, the other issue is when you look at the game, Fem, the the Bengals are not a great team on the road straight up. Now, I know they went in there to Baltimore in October of 21, and they won 41-17, to right? Last time they played in Baltimore, Baltimore won 19-17. Then the Bengals came back and beat them next year, last year, 27-16, but there was no Lamar. But in 21, they scored 41 points twice off of them, you know, and they did it at home in a way. So, look, the Bengals have a tough road ahead. They got to play Pittsburgh. They got Jacksonville. They got Indianapolis, Minnesota. They got Pittsburgh again. They got Kansas City and Cleveland. I mean, you know, leaving that one there was hard. And this Baltimore team – you watch that game last week against Cleveland, and you're like, "How did they lose this game?" You know, they give up a they give they, they got gifted to them. They get a pick mm-hmm. six to start the game, right? They get hit a slant for a touchdown with Beckham. They get a punt return fumble for that gives them field position. You know, it's just they they didn't they didn't run the when they can't run the ball when Baltimore can't run the ball. And they couldn't run the ball other than the 39-yard run by Williams. They struggle. But I think they'll run the ball against Cincinnati because everybody runs the ball against Cincy. Yeah, no, it's an interesting game from a, a total standpoint because I believe this total has been getting bet to the over. Open 44, now 46. I took the points with Cincinnati, uh, took to plus four. Even at plus what three and take? a half, I liked it. Was it plus four? Yeah, it was plus four. Yeah. But, but even I'd take three and a half as well. I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between plus four and three and a half. Sometimes the game lands four, but I mean, hey, getting more than the field goal, I think, is the key point there. But uh, to, I, to me, it's just like, I think Burrow, it's so attractive getting Burrow in those points, but I do have a lot of respect for Baltimore, though. Like, I, I hope I'm not stepping in it once again, fading this Ravens team, but We'll see what happens later on tonight. But I, I think the, the the loss of Marlon Humphrey could be big here for Baltimore because they said he's doubtful yesterday. I doubt that he plays in the game if they're going to list him at that. Trey Hendrickson somehow on a short week with a hyperextended knee, he's going to play. I mean, I don't know what that guy takes every morning, but I want some of that. Uh, he's going to play somehow in this football game. So I think this is one of those kitchen sink games from the from the Cincinnati Bengals because they can't afford to fall to five and five. I think they play close. It's a field goal game either way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, typically these are, but usually the dog wins in the north. I think that, you know, the yeah. under always comes in. What, nighttime unders are now uh, huh. 25 and 7. They have a, they're on 11 straight win yeah. streak. You know, and the north, typically in the north, the AFC north, 
the underdogs are, are ridiculously expen- uh, ridiculously profitable. Yeah. I mean, that came up on Bet Labs today. You know, if you bet the end, the dog just blindly bet it without the game. You know, and when you bet dogs in low total games, like when the when the total's lower, you know, you end up the dog ends up cashing. To me, on paper, you want to take Baltimore, but based on all, like this would be the football side of my brain says take Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The the betting side of my brain, which I really didn't know very much, you know, as I'm learning over the years, is like you better you should take the points here. So I, I kind of like in the middle. Although Lamar, Lamar, when he gets humming, you know, they can it's tough. they'll get going. <laughs> it but is tough. It, look, with that, Morgan Moses didn't play last week, so they had um, they had Patrick Macora. I think I don't know how to say his Macari, last name. Macari, yep. he's not a very good player at all. He was playing. Right tackle. Now he goes over to left tackle. Boy, that's scary. Yeah. Well, let's power through some of these Sunday games here. The Chargers, we got our guy Staley against your guy Big Daddy. That's going to be a fun Sunday afternoon. Chargers three-point road favorites at Lambeau total 44. (laughs) So I'm at dinner with Big Daddy last night, and I said to Big Daddy, I said, well, we're going to put your – he, I said, well, put the Charger-Packer game on the uh, the screen because Matthew's game against Miami, you know, with the Raiders, is that's on at one. So we'll have one game on, and then we'll put your game on too. We'll have both on. Oh, they're going to lose by three touchdowns. I'm like, Big Daddy, like, do you realize, like, the Packers – do you realize the Packers have been, have been one of those teams – they're one in four – in close game, like they can't win a close game, and mm-hmm. but they've been in close games. I mean, they've been in close games. They just haven't been able to 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 close it out. You know, they haven't been able to find a way to win those close games. Or and so you know, when you look at their margin, they score that they, they, they've averaged. They've given up like twenty points a game, and they score like sixteen point five. They're right there. I mean, they cover that number last week if they just make the extra point where they push it, depending yeah. on what you have. So, you know, I, I think to me, you know, look, the Chargers in these kind of games, when are they really ever good, right? You know, and last week the Packers ran the football and the Chargers, which had been playing really good red zone, I mean, really good run defense, they couldn't handle it. The thing about Love is he's so hard to predict his ability to complete passes. He's the most, they have this aggressive rating and quarterback ratings. He's at 20.7. Like, he's trying to put the ball into places he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like he's forcing it sometimes, but it, it, he also feels a little but bit Big Daddy streaky. predicts a three-touchdown loss. He predicts a three-touchdown loss. I said, how can you predict that? <laughs> three touchdowns. How can you predict that? They haven't <laughs> lost by three touchdowns to anybody all year. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's going to lay an alternate spread with the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, he's like Crusoe. He just comes up with his own spreads. I mean, how about how about the Packers have only scored 49 points in the first half all year? That's 5.5 points in the first half. I said it on the pod last week. I said that Steelers-Packers first half under. Shockingly, we got boom, boom, boom touchdowns on like the first three drives of the game. I was stunned seeing that game last week. But then the scoring started to slow down and Pittsburgh won the game. Uh, how about in the Motor City? The Bears, they've been getting bet quite a bit so far this week against the Detroit Hammer. Lions. This opened like Hammer. 10, 10 and a half. Now we're down to seven and a half. Fields, my guy, making his return to the field. Well, I, and you know, it's shocking too because Goff is so good against the spread versus the North. I think he's on a, like 11 game heater in that category. But he, here's the reality when you break the game down, forget the numbers and bet labs and all that crap. You know, the Bears have been playing really good run defense. They're the number one team in yards per attempt allowed rushing. They're really good up front. They play an eight man front. They know how to fit their runs, their run defense. Other than the Kansas City game when everybody was hurt, they played really good run defense. You have to throw the ball to beat them. You've got to be committed to throwing 40, 45 times. And you got to, you know, you can still use play action, but you're going to have to throw it. So it's going to be a. And Detroit wants to run the ball. They need to. They want to be balanced. They want to be able to have that in them. So I think a lot of people see that ten as a number that's too high. Plus, we know Detroit struggles with athletic quarterbacks. I mean, Fields can run the ball around on them. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to have to make plays in the passing game. It's going to be hard for the Bears to run the ball other than Fields against a really good Detroit front. So I think Detroit's defense is is really overrated in the sense that if you can throw it like Herbert could. I mean, last week Herbert had four drives of over ten plays and, the, and one drive of seven. And in the last five drives of the game, he scored touchdowns only to, to not be able to win the game. So I, I see this as both teams should move the ball. It depends on the quarterback in the air. 
I thought 10 was too high. I really did. Yeah, I think 10 was the number that you wanted to back uh, the Chicago Bears. Now that we're down to 7.5, it's probably Lions or pass. But get this, since 2021, when Dan Campbell took over, best ATS team in the league are the Detroit Lions, 30-13 and 13 no against the spread. You are living on an island if you've just been backing the Detroit Lions blindly each and every week. Uh, let's get to the afternoon slate. Seahawks at the Rams. Matthew Stafford expected a return. Seahawks one-point favorites on the road. I've said this I'll say this again. I said at the start of the season when I recommended taking the Rams, I'll say it again now. This, when the Rams are healthy, they'll, they can play with anybody. For, uh, and the elite teams, they'll struggle with winning the fourth quarter. But I love the Rams here. I think you got to take them. I think Stafford's healthy. They get Haverstein back. All their receivers are healthy. McVay's had a week off to game plan. You know, look, Seattle did a really good job against Washington until the fourth quarter. Their offense had over 500 yards, but the game should not have been as close as it was. But these games typically are close. The line, you know, the only reason the line opened at three was because they thought maybe Stafford wouldn't play. Yeah. This will be a fun game. I think this game goes over. I really do. Yeah, it'll be a fun game and definitely over at SoFi Stadium. Uh, How about the Jets-Bills? We talked about both of these teams earlier, but what do you think happens in this game? The Bills' touchdown favorites total 39.5. Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. If if the Bills don't get a play from in front – Right? I mean, I wrote about it in the column. They've been outscored. I think they've been outscored in the first half 73 to 33 in the last six. In, they're two and four over the last six games. I mean, so when you fire, when you fire uh, Dorsey, you know, you, you haven't been exactly very good defensively either now. I mean, look, I don't understand why the Jets don't try to run the ball, slow the game down, mm-hmm. rush the quarterback, you know, take digs out of the game. I mean, how, how really? Should the Bills move the ball on them? If you put Gardner on Diggs and you and you make it at play an eight-man front and you say, okay, make somebody else beat me, who's beating you? Who are you worried about? Kincaid? He's a nice player. Don't get me wrong. You should dominate this defensive line. I don't care if you're playing at home or, I mean, this offensive line. You should dominate it. And, you know, it's like last week. If you watch the Colts play the Raiders – Colts play the Patriots. If the Patriots just would have run the zone play every play, they got double teams on the on the three techniques, the the two tackles of the Colts, and knocked them off the ball. By I mean, they could have had five yards every play. Like you can't get bored if you're the Jets. You got to just call the same. You got to cut the game to the fourth quarter and make it close. I'm tempted to take. The, I'm tempted on Sunday to recommend the Jets. The problem is, I stare at that that Josh Allen is. You know, of his 60 career wins, 45 have been by six, seven points or more. Yeah, no, I think it's tempting to take the Jets. Last one, who do you think wins Vikings at the Broncos Sunday Night Football? Mm, I think the Viking bubble could burst. That's what I think, too. Broncos, man, they're, they're kind of ascending. We'll see what happens in the second half of this season as they got a big win Monday night. That does it for us here on the pod. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you on Monday as we react to Week 11.